Well, welcome back, friends. It is good to see you as we continue through this relaunch series. We have uh, discussed the design and flight plan to this point. We have considered the pre-flight checklist and have thought about liftoff. Now we are in the air. How do we stay there? So let's talk about sustainability. In the liftoff stage, we've talked about what of the old ways should be left on the ground, should be left behind. But just as a rocket lets go of stages along the way in its climb, there may be things that we are doing right now that will need to be let go of. We're going to talk with our panelists about how we keep from flaming out on the climb. And so I welcome today Tiffany Keith, Associate Pastor of First United Methodist Church in Colorado Springs, planter of the Edge Faith Community, and currently the Congregational Resource Minister for the Peaks Pikes Peak District until July 1st. Tiffany, say hello to our group. Hi, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, Jeff. I appreciate it. We also welcome Betty Wynn, who is the Mountain Sky Conference Multicultural and Advocacy Ministries Developer. And I hope I got that right, Betty. Won't you say hi to our congregation community out there? Hello, everyone. It's good to be with all of you. And finally, we have Pastor Jim Barth, who is the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Sheridan, Wyoming. Jim, say hello to our crowd. Hello, crowd. It's good to be with you. Thank you all for, for joining us for this conversation about flight and uh, sustainability. And so let me just open up with our first question. Once we have launched, once we have liftoff, in a sense, uh, in this work to re-engage, relaunch church, how do we keep this new thing that we are creating in the air? What do you see as the biggest challenge of sustainability in our new reality? Well, I come um, with a perspective as a person who's on the receiving end. So I'll just share up front that um, in my role, um, I am not on the front lines. I'm not um, participating in creating some of the online content that many of you have been. Um, so I come from that perspective as a person who's been blessed to be a participant and to receive and to be able to worship with. Um, I think one of the challenges is um, the need to do it all, to include what um, you all have been doing and what church was. And I, as a participant, as somebody who's been worshiping with, um, I think that to be able to say or give permission to not feeling like we have to do it all um, is one challenge to just be able to decide what is meaningful and essential for your faith community and for the community that you're serving. As I, um, as I read the question and thought about it, uh, my answer was exactly what Betty's is. I think the, the, your drive is to do it all to, and suddenly we can see what every other church is doing and we can see when they're doing it and we can see their quality and we can go back and check and, and all of a sudden we, 
we can be driven to do it all and we don't have to do it all. I think that's one of our biggest challenges, one of our biggest dangers. And on the other side of that, I think the other side would be to do nothing. Yeah, I think that's just as, do, as dangerous as doing everything. So it's finding those places that are most meaningful um, and that fit the DNA of our community that, that works for the people that we, that we serve, that are in our congregation. The idea that both of this, Betty and uh, Tiffany shared, totally, totally it, right? The idea of burning yourself out and when you burn yourself out, nothing happens. Um, and so for me, as I think about this, this question about sustainability, we can only do so much. There's only so much time in a day and being able to say, I've, I've done what I can and this is what I have and being able to rest in that space. The other thing that I would share in regards to this uh, actually comes from Beth Estock. Uh, she was my coach for a year, a few years back. And one of the sticky notes that I have on my computer monitor has the circle of plan, do, assess, adapt. And so sustainability wise, you can, you, once when you plan and you start rolling it out, most times we don't actually stop to assess. So like, what are we doing? Is it sustainable to continue to do what we're doing and how we're doing it? Do we need to modify? Connecting the congregation, is it not? Is it not doing what we wanted it to do? Assess and then adapt. Make the changes that need to be made. Drop off the things that need to be dropped off and then move back into the planning again. What did we learn? How can we modify? And it's just this round structure of planning, do, assess, adapt. And I've I found that to be really helpful. So as a follow-up, um, especially uh, to Jim and Tiffany, what have you found that you're spending the most time on right now? that you're concerned as we may start moving into even a new phase, a hybrid phase, um, that you're concerned about that over-functioning, that uh, too much time. What, what, is, what is the biggest, sort of biggest time eater of your existence right now as you plan worship and plan congregational life in the era of isolation? Uh, for me at, um, at first Colorado Springs, one of the things that we're facing is all of the, the staff, all of the clergy want to do their things. We're a large church with a lot of small communities. Um, so we have, I do stories at the edge. We have a contemplative worship ran by um, Todd Spencer. We, we have, so everybody wants to do their thing. And I am so grateful that everybody is coming and pulling their communities together in small groups and Bible studies. Um, and yet all, everybody doing that is partially trained. So it's spending a lot of time and energy in getting people set up and finding a way to make sure that they're trained to do it on their own, to find lay leadership, um, to do the things. And, and we can't have, I can't have um, 
a tech team at everything we do. So that for me has been a lot of time and energy is, is trying to get people trained and to make sure that they have the equipment they need to do what they want to do. For me, some of the things that have been taking up more of my time than what they usually would are creating, I mean, creating worship experiences, right? So to create a worship experience, to then stream it on Sundays, and then the follow-up to that is creating DVDs and CDs for those who can't stream. Uh, and for me, it's been real important to try and keep that worship connection. Um, and so I almost, in a sense, feel at this point in time, more of a producer, if that makes sense, a producer of worship. Uh, trying to make sure I, we don't have as many tech individuals to come and help on Sunday morning. So I'm running the stream from the front uh, as well as leading the service. So writing down like what this is the camera that I'm going to use for this portion of the, the service and, and I'm going to do this and this is this so that I can just go over and do it. Uh, so for me, I, I, I would like to, to see in this transition, you know, more people coming in to be able to help with some of those things. So it, it gets taken off of my plate. Um, so that's, that's what has been taken up my time. I feel like a producer, uh, a video producer. So ed video editing, all of that type of thing. Yeah, okay. yeah I think that's, um, I think that is an interesting we are living into new skills that we didn't get trained for. Some of many of us, um, certainly our congregation didn't get trained for. And so the understanding of volunteers to be part of this work. And I want to, I want to dive more into kind of how do we make the online presence sustainable, especially when we start getting back into in-person work too. But before I get there, um, I realized, Betty, that you were working many with many of our clergy of color and many of our ethnic churches, multicultural churches. Many of those uh, leaders and pastors are um, bivocational, which adds a whole nother stress to this. Um, what do you see right now, even in this time, but especially as we sort of move move back into what may be a new season, a hybrid season um, over the long term. What do you see as uh, major challenges to that those communities in this time? Um, Picking back on what Jeff, uh, Jim said about um, bringing more people into um, the different roles. And I have seen many of the churches I work with um, see leadership step up. And whether it's the tech piece or leading small groups. I know some of our um, ethnic churches are um, doing daily prayer meetings or at least two, three times a week, which is maybe out of their usual schedule. Um, they are using technology. Some are using phone trees and um, different ways to connect, even sending out almost um, daily or several times um, within the month uh, newsletters when it used to be just once a month and just different ways to connect 
like Jeff said, on top of their um, full-time work, many are essential workers too. So, um, so what I think is exciting is how do we support laity um, as we recognize their gifts? Um, so I see people stepping up. Um, shared preaching, shared teaching, technology, um, learning um, about how to lead music in a different way. So how do we empower and continue training um, so that there is a team, so that it doesn't all become um, a one-person um, production? And I think the challenge, you know, is because we are quarantined or, you know, staying in place that we can't easily uh, train others, but hopefully when we're able to open up a little bit, then we can have those trainings in place so that if we have a second wave or, you know, things change as we are anticipating that we do have people equipped and ready to go. Um, so I am very encouraged as I work with some of our ethnic churches to see leadership step up and to see gifts and graces blossom. Many of us see online worship now uh, as an ongoing essential effort of our congregations. I think we've in some sense learned that from this experience of quarantine that we many places have more people attending online than ever attended in person. And so seeing that that effort is, is fruitful and worthwhile, uh, but it obviously takes a lot of effort and resources to continue that work. It takes a lot of different skills. Uh, Jim, you spoke to it well of talking about being not just a pastor, but a, now a video producer, um, a resource producer. Um, that takes time, that takes effort, that takes resources. How do we shift resources to sort of manage this new part of our congregational life, this online presence, and uh, to even get down to the nuts and bolts of it, what do you think will get less energy or needs to get less energy moving forward as we may one day move back into in-person gatherings and in-person congregational life? How does our balance of time, resources shift to make all of this sustainable? There's a lot to those questions that you just asked, Jeff. Uh, the one thing that I just would like to throw out there, I think for me, we've been streaming here at First in Sheridan for about two and a half years now. And I, I saw, like a lot of other uh, churches, the desire and need to move in this direction. And this situation just helps bring that even more to a, to a point saying the technology is fairly simple now the it's inexpensive in the in regards to what it was you know 10 years ago when you when you would try to do something like that so it is feasible for for a camera and a computer or a streaming box and you, you have this set up. You know, if you have a sound system, uh, if not, you go directly into the camera. So this is something that isn't just for a small period of time. You know, as I have been trying to think through and uh, talk with my leadership about ways to move forward, one of the things that has been in my mind is, are we investing in something we can continue to use when this is over? Or are we looking to invest in something that has a very small window of opportunity? And so for me, 
like trying to balance uh, the idea of I, I want us to be able to invest in stuff that we are going to be able to use long term. Streaming, it isn't going anywhere. We, we can continue to use that even in different ways than what we're not using it now. Facebook, uh, YouTube, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's here. And so being able to embrace that uh, and, and move into that direction, I think is super helpful. So again, for me, it's, is this a short-term investment or is this a long-term investment? And I think a lot of the technology we're looking at is more of a long-term investment than a short-term investment. I'm, I'm with Jim. I mean, there's so much in that question. And, and it sort of depends on the parts of what we're doing now that we're asking about. I think streaming is here to stay, absolutely. And I think it's sustainable. I think enough churches have done it for long enough to show that you know you, you can get some volunteers, you you have people that know tech and and get them helping and doing it. And you know, the the kind of the it fills in the rest of the volunteer systems will fill in with people that are willing to come and show up and help. Um, some of the other things that I'm that I'm wondering about for more sustainability is like pastoral care. For us, that just shifted in a different way. We can't. It's how do you connect with people that that can't leave their homes, and and maybe we see their existence in a way that we didn't see a few months ago. Um, and I don't know how that part stays sustainable long term. Um, we do have a lot of people that can't leave their homes right now, you know, um, how do we connect with them because we don't know when they're going to be able to leave their homes and come out like I don't know that I have answers for how that's more long term sustainable and I do worry about the, the missions, the caring ministries, the those other things that we do outside of worship, how can we make that sustainable. Yeah, Tiffany, just to piggyback on that, like the hospital visits, you know, the, the nursing homes, we, we can't go into those right now. They, they will not let you in. And that, that isn't sustainable because then the story that could be made up in their heads is no one cares about me, right? Uh, so even phone calls can only go so far, right? And that, yeah, that, that's, it, it's a, challenging pastoral care is is really challenging right now and i would love to know better ways of doing it uh other than being on the front porch ringing the doorbell and having a conversation between the screen door you know like uh and not having to use a telephone being able to see body language and feeling the you know, the magnetic field of each other's hearts and having that connection. I'd like to piggyback on this too. And, um, and I just apologize ahead of time if it's kind of moving it beyond worship. But one of the things that come up for me is if we're putting a lot of energy into worship, there's all these other aspects like Tiffany and Jim had mentioned. And then for me too, to think about what does um, engagement with the community look like beyond the online worship? presence as we kind of move back. Um, so, you know, 
meal, weekly meals or monthly meals that churches have been doing, food banks and small groups that have been meeting at churches, engagement with the community. And I think with the whole COVID-19, a whole bunch of new um, things have percolated in our communities, other needs, new vulnerabilities that we have recognized in our healthcare and education systems. And so what does it mean for us as the church to be present? Um, and where do our energies lay you know, in that? So do we continue to focus on the worship and, and you know, community engagement? Where do we put our energies? Um, how do we how do we prioritize? How do we make those decisions? So those questions have been percolating for me. Um, and one of the things that I've learned that I, I don't know if I've um, implemented well, but this idea that comes from Parker Palmer that all that we put out should be life-giving and not life-draining. And I think um, as we reevaluate um, online worship, online presence, um, doing this new thing and then now shifting to a hybrid or new another new way how do we make sure that our energies as we put out uh, it's life-giving um, as well and um, not only to the staff and to our lady but as a, as we engage our community in in a new way so those questions have been percolating for me i appreciate you bringing up the idea of, of much of congregational life outside of worship. Because in some sense, I think, uh, just as Jim mentioned, that his church has been live streaming for now several years. We have thought about this for worship um, much earlier than we have thought about, oh, how am I gonna do a Bible study online? Or how am I going to do pastoral care online? And I think those areas are really where we're less um, we're less comfortable with even a hybrid or the online version compared to what we have. So you know, like a question that came to mind for me as I heard you talking, all of you was you know, um, in the future once uh, once things open up a bit, but there may be still concerns about who can come and who cannot. And I have to make a choice between an online study or an in-person study that can't have as many people. Which one am I going to do? You know, especially if I don't have time to do both. Our question was like, uh, like, can we do both at the same time? So we're doing, you know, Bible study online and almost right away people started. So we have both a Facebook stream and a Zoom meeting going at the exact same time. Um, and so we wonder, is there a way to add human beings to the room? So we, you know, have a Facebook stream, have the Zoom going. Is that something that's sustainable for a Bible study more long term that meets both the needs of the people that are present and the needs of the people that can't be there? Um, you know, and the other question of that is how do we work with people that are doing that or planning on doing that, that we might come up with best practices um, and help one another through it. Conference has been having online meetings for a long time now. Um, and some of the best practices we figured out was don't, don't have a large group in person and then put two people on the screen because those two people are in, invariably left out. Uh, emotionally, almost physically, because of the, the power of being in a room together. Um, 
So it, it is a big question, I think, to think about. Um, what are other areas that you see that we're going to have to address as far as making choices between um, old versions and new versions and, and some of your sense of where that conversation might go? I have a question uh, as a person who is a participant. Um, so I, I know from my experience, um, the online quality and editing has been growing over the last, you know, two months to starting from, you know, uh, just a one shot to now edited choirs and things like that. And not, of course, not every church is doing the same thing, but I think um, our ability and our nimbleness and our um, technology has grown and is there is there a space where as things change that some of that have to be um decreased or decrease might not be the right word but um how do some things need to step back um so that things that we have been doing before um can also um happen i'm gonna start over jeff i'm sorry um i think the question is for example if the choir, I'll take that example, has put a lot of energy over the last few months to doing a virtual choir. If we're going to start beginning to think about going back to the to worshiping in person, um, is that still a need to do virtual choirs? Um, if that's going to take more time um, out of a staff person's or a volunteer person or an edited version of worship. Whereas before uh, COVID-19, it was just a um, one, you know, screenshot of the preacher or whoever's on stage now to a edited version of different staff members. What kind of quality do we have to keep up and what can we take back? And as a person who's worshiping on the other side, um, are we okay with that? Are we okay that um, we're kind of um, stepping back on some of the technology because we're now beginning to go back into the local church? Is there a give and take, I guess is my question. I don't know if I made sense at all, but that's a question or is it, is it an expectation, right? Um, as a person who's sitting in the pews or sitting at home at this time, am I still expecting Jim to have this production or a hybrid where, yes, it's still online, but not maybe the same type of production because we have Jim back in the local church with some people now? I don't know. Those are just questions that are percolating in my mind. The questions that's right along what with what Betty is saying is, saying is I think one of the things that that was already starting to change, but I think um, the coronavirus has pushed us into um, pushed us into it much faster and sooner was this this understanding that the way things are is the way they're always going to be. I think we now like the the deeper change is um, is how can we be more nimble? How can we shift as we need to shift? Um, so does that mean that we're going to demand high quality production forever and ever? I think, I think our, as a church, as leadership, our response needs to be, no, we don't have to keep getting better and better. What we need to do is to adjust and to, 
organize ourselves in a way that we can shift, that we can meet current needs because they may not be yesterday's needs. There's a really good chance that needs are going to continue to change and that we need to continue to be nimble um, as, as we go forward. I don't know if it's going back to we can count on yesterday being the same as today and tomorrow. I don't think that's going to happen again anytime soon. I think change is the new constant. Yeah, a change is the constant, right? Like it, it was the constant before. We just didn't didn't have to live through it as quickly as uh, as what we are currently doing, right? Like I was always told, if you are going to turn a cruise ship of people, you have to do it slowly so that people don't fall off and get sick, right? Uh, whereas we have had to to really shift quickly for pieces that we weren't, or maybe we weren't quite ready for. For me, one of the one of the challenges has been engaging in the worship service, right? Uh, and and how do we how do we do that when there is a lag between the video and people receiving it? Um, I what I what I hope is that when we come back together again, we can use some of the things that we've learned and some of the things that we have started doing because of this and continue it on and the things that we no longer need we can just say yep it was for this moment for this time we don't have to continue to invest in energy with this it was helpful but we there's no major future for it um, i'm excited for my entire tech team to be back you know so that i don't i don't have to do some of those pieces right like that that to me is is huge. I have a portion of my tech team, but not the entire tech team. Um, and I know a lot of that has to do with worship, and the church is so much more than worship. We we've uh, really tried to to bring everything online, and that has been a challenge. Uh, but trying to utilize some of the phone like phone calls, because not everybody in my congregation has a computer, has internet. Uh, so being able to phone call in with the pins and some of those pieces. We are doing some things right now uh, because they're necessary and they're the only option for us, right? Because we are in such tight quarantine and expect to be um, for a while yet longer. But we can foresee a day, maybe months, maybe longer than that, where things start to open up more. Um, and so I actually want to phrase it because a little differently than I had originally thought about. Um, what's something you're doing right now because it's the only option under quarantine that you are just so ready to eject and get back either to what was or get back to what may be, uh, but that, that you really think, yes, we can get rid of this when we can start gathering in groups of a dozen. And we can get rid of this when we start gathering groups of 50. And we can get rid of this when, when we can finally all be together again. Um, what are some things you're doing right now that you're looking forward to getting rid of? We'll tell you, the thing I am looking forward to getting rid of is the making of worship DVDs. The amount of time and energy it takes to take the worship service from Sunday, to put it in a video editor, 
to get the final product. I am so ready to leave that behind me. The piece that I'm excited to keep is our uh, prayer request. So we've started a new way of, of receiving prayer requests through text messaging. And I am, I'm excited to keep that just so that as we continue with an online presence during the, during the worship service, uh, we'll have those that are continuing to join us that way still have the option of being able to share a prayer request. Uh, and it was a simple, simple thing, but I'm excited to keep that. I'm also excited to figure out how to do the blending of virtual book studies, Bible studies with the physical too. I, I, I'm excited to, to cross that bridge and see see how to connect that. So. That's a hard one. I, I don't know. I, I'm appreciating a lot of what we're doing. Um, so there's not a whole lot that I'm doing that I would just want to get rid of, um, uh, except for maybe I would appreciate um, experiencing worship more um, because we're pre-recording it. So it's like we I experience worship by watching it with everybody else, which you know, so I guess part of me just cannot wait to actually be back into worship. And when we've worshiped, we've worshiped. Um, and it doesn't, it just feels like this kind of ongoing thing where we're, you know, checking in on Facebook and then doing Zoom things. And it's like worship has in some way stopped being worship and more about kind of, you know, chatting on Facebook. And it just doesn't feel the same. Um, and I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad we're connecting. It's been interesting to see. And I can't wait to kind of just experience worship again and it not all be about tech and Facebook. And final question about what, what excites us about this future and not just in this moment, but even as we transition into whatever is the next stage. And, and Jim, you named it that, uh, well, all of you named it, that change is the new constant at an even more rapid pace than before. And what I'm excited about is I've seen in congregations a higher tolerance for change, a greater willingness on behalf of the whole church to say, yes, life isn't the way it was. It can't be the way it was. So we're gonna do something else. Uh, and many, many congregations have really leaned into that and have been graceful uh, with experimentation, have been graceful with failures that we've learned from and try again, um, have been graceful with letting go of a lot of things that they used to cherish and hold on to so tightly. Um, and so I think that can translate into a lot of changes that we need to make to our churches that have nothing to do with COVID-19, but have a lot to do with, with growth and vitality and mission um, that we didn't give ourselves permission to do before, but now maybe we will. So let me ask you in closing, what excites you most about the new thing we're dreaming of preparing for, even as we still hunker down right now in uh, qu quarantine conditions? What are you excited about in the future? You basically stole my answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, 
Absolutely. I'm excited that change in a lot of ways, um, people are way more ready to accept change and understand that that, that change is, is, is okay. It really is okay. Um, so since you stole my answer, I'm going to come up with a different one. Um, it's, it's an area where I'm both very hopeful um, and I'm actually carries a little bit of fear for me. I am I'm hopeful and I am excited that we are connecting with people from all over the place. Um, I've had storytellers from Seattle. We have um, people attending um, first uh, Colorado Springs from South Dakota. We, I mean, these connections are so exciting for me. Um, my fear with that is that we then become a consumer model of church and instead of changing our city we become focused on on getting in the consumer um, from anywhere we can get them so it, there's a an excitement in the connections um, and there's a fear around how we respond to that and do we do that in a way that is healthy and life-giving and in a way that we want to change the cities we live in um, and bring God's presence here. And um, so it's exciting and, and scary. I totally echo what you say, Tiffany. Um, I think there's two sides of a coin that um, bricks I think that is exciting to me in the sense that we're putting a lot of energy and making sure that we put the best um, worship experience forward and that people have accessibility to come together and worship um, from their different locations. At the same time, I wonder, I wonder that, um, and I come from this as a person who grew up in a very traditional conservative setting where church was every Sunday. You had to be there. Um, you had to put an offering in. You, you know, you had all these you have to, to be a good Christian. But because everything now is kind of virtual or you don't have to show up, that, they, that there's this choice, right? That, that coming, showing up to worship is a choice now. Putting an offering is a choice without the pressure. Is anybody looking? Am I, you know, being marked down as, in, you know, as being in attendance and all these things. And so now I feel like what an opportunity to think about discipleship in a brand new way not just, you know, have you been to church every week or um, is anybody looking if I'm putting an offering in the plate, which is those pressures I had growing up and even some of that shame that I carry even today. Um, but now I feel like we're engaging um, people within our current communities and beyond and it's because there's this thirst and this desire and this longing to, to figure out what it means to be disciple of Jesus Christ which then I think is so exciting that we have a voice and a narrative that we can continue to have in our communities of what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ um, so the anxiety I think for me is how how do we maintain church? I know there's our churches are struggling to stay open. Um, how do we reach people where internet accessibility isn't there and all these concerns? But the other side of the coin is I see discipleship and, and living into that is a, a great opportunity for us. At this time. For me, I think the thing that is most exciting, obviously, I mean, change is definitely one of those, but one of those changes has always been the a uh, challenge of trying to get the church to realize it's not a building, right? And so this 
has definitely helped reiterate that fact that the church is not a building. So my my excitement that I see in, in whatever this new thing looks like is just how many people have answered a call to help, whether it was in within the congregation or within the community. As we receive community needs, we send them out to our congregation. And it has been so exciting for me to see how many individuals from our congregation have stepped up and said, oh, yep, I can do that. Let, let me do that. Let me make the phone call. Let me do this. And to me, that is, that is like where we need to be. Uh, realizing the, the congregation is realizing and living into their role as being the church and understanding that it has, yes, the building is, it's great to have a building to be able to utilize for ministry, but it's not all about the building. And ministry has continued to happen. Worship has continued to happen. Connections have continued to happen. Relationships have continued to happen. It drives me nuts that we use language about opening because we have been open the entire time. And so for me, the excitement is, what is this change gonna lead to that is going to deepen and enrich our communities and our congregation? So that's, that's where I'm at. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, Betty. Thank you, Jim, for your conversation today. We're excited for you, those listening to this video, uh, and we're excited about the plans that you're making in this season and what you may be giving birth to. Uh, we hope you will take this conversation as an inspiration and as a starter for your own. So I invite you now to, as this video concludes, to turn to your, uh, your guidebook and gather some leaders of your church and others that have been invested in this particular stage of our congregational life and start thinking about what's next and how you will sustain that work, how you will keep what has been the best of this season of trial and error and uh, to let go of what has been the worst of this season so that you may continue to live into who God wants you to be as God's church. Um, Thank you for participating in this conversation. God bless you all.